Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I have never been as busy as what I have been over the last um, two years. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we continue the conversation with the founder of Revolve Commercial, Mish Daniel. Discover why she gave up everything in South Africa to come to Australia and start all over again with no business or properties and how having knowledge is always going to trump having money when it comes to commercial property. After experiencing the events that happened to Daniel personally in Cape Town, she had to make a big change in her life. And that's when she made the move to Australia. There were new challenges she faced with the move. Look, I, I ran the numbers. I did the maths. So um, if, we, if we're talking about a third world currency versus a first, first world currency, I, I very quickly worked out that if I were to keep our assets in South Africa and try and live off those assets, they're going to be very short-lived. Because when you're doing the conversion, by the time you get the money over here, um, to put it into some sort of context, we lost 93% of the value of our money by doing that sort of conversion. Okay, so by, so by the time by the time we did get all our money here, which, um, as I said, took a, a number of years, that the money that arrived in in Australia was only worth eight percent of what it was worth previously. Okay, so that was enough for us just to to kind of start and get going and 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 you know, just find our feet. Um, but it, it was quite a long time going before we could do that, you know. And um, I think for those, for, for, for the listeners who have emigrated, um, they would relate to, you know, you, you move here, you don't have a mechanic, you don't have a dentist, you don't have a doctor, you don't have friends, you don't have, you don't know the food. People speak funny, different accents over here. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a whole, it's a whole different world. In order to land on her feet, Daniel had help from a friend. Well, it was, it was a massive fall from grace, put it that way, because I was, I was brought in on a visa called the 567, which is a working visa. Um, and um, it was a company that had been inviting me to move to Australia for probably close on 10 years, so um, um, a family connection. And every time I came to Australia, he'd always say to me, come and work for me, come and start a branch. You'd be so successful, you'd be so good. Anyway, and eventually I took him up on it and said, great. He said, choose any city on the East Coast, go wherever you want, we need because they were on the West Coast in WA. 
And I said, well, no brainer, Brisbane's the city to go to. Although, although I must say I was very hard pressed because I knew that the business would be far more successful in Sydney. And I said, no, I'm choosing Brisbane and uh, we're going to set that up. So I arrived here three days later. Um, I found a warehouse. I had, um, uh, I had uh, shelving where, um, and all the equipment coming in, office, office materials coming in and started setting up marketing, advertising and got out there and started, um, basically started a new business for this company um, in Brisbane. Hit the ground, got it up and running, uh, worked for them for two years. Uh, Brisbane became the most successful branch in the in the company, uh, took over the Sydney office and then established a Melbourne office as well. And um, yeah, um, and after two years, I said, guys, that's it. I've done my time. Time for me to move on and go and do what I want to do. After leaving this position and using her property knowledge from South Africa, Daniel began to invest in Australian properties. When I arrived here, I thought, well, um, it's something that I know I like, I love and I want to do. So I started having a look at the residential market and I thought, well, I'll, I'll, stop, I'll, I'll stick my toe in and start with residential. Um, and I did a couple of courses um, and and thought, well, I need to know how things work over here. So I, spent, I probably spent the first uh, two to three years looking, seeing, learning. Uh, as much as I poss- pro- possibly could, and I did every single pro- property course that I could. Um, however, being on that kind of visa, and I'm really grateful for this, is I wasn't allowed to buy investment property. I was restricted to buying investment property as a foreigner on a 457. Um, and it was actually a saving grace because we did find a really good property and that I wanted to jump into and I wanted to do a development on it and at the last minute I couldn't do that. So I was a little bit disappointed. But I found out shortly afterwards and I thought, what about commercial? Because commercial is is something that I know. It's something that I've been into for a long time and um, I'd been involved in a lot of commercial um, in South Africa. And I found that commercial was a far better option and I was allowed to buy commercial. So I went out like a bull in a china shop and (laughs) had it (laughs) heavily leveraged. Uh, Bought my first commercial, which was a warehouse, uh, industrial warehouse. Um, And um, yeah, just, just basically started started purchasing as much commercial as I possibly could with what we had um, and started that journey. Um, and being that uh, I've always done uplift properties, that's kind of my niche. So I was I was out there looking for properties that I could add value to and, um, you know, leverage against. After investing in the first commercial property in 2017, Daniel began to take part in group deals. So from there, we just, uh, you know, I've, I've been leveraging off um, um, whatever whatever monies we could, whatever we were making. And uh, look, I'm a very good uh, saver. So we save very well and um, manage money, I would say, pretty well. And also having come from um, from where we have and built, built my, my estate up to where I had, and starting all over again, I really had to be very mindful of um, our finances. So we were, we did quite a lot of leveraging, 
and um, did a valuing up equity drawdown and uh, to purchase the next one and the next one. So um, what I've what I've gone into since then is doing a couple of group deals where um, buying you know, using other people's money, basically bringing investors in, um, doing those uplift properties um, and either strata titling them, selling them off, otherwise uh, keeping them, managing them. And um, we've subsequently started a, a asset management company um, where we're looking after um, over 40, uh, 40 properties. Uh, a lot of the assets that we were buying, uh, we were purchasing through the end of uh, uh, sort of 2018 into 2019. And um, a lot of those assets we bought through COVID-19 <laughs> and, and have turned out to be probably the best, you know, best acquisitions uh, that we've made. Um you know, and and now we we managing those properties as property assets. You know, as 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 um, management fees, we've done huge uplifts on those properties, not necessarily um, uh, external, but um, on the management side. So, in other words, with leasing, tenanting, that sort of thing, where we've added tremendous value and had those properties revalued at um, forty, fifty percent more than what they were when we purchased them. Throughout any property investment journey, there is always something to be learned. For Daniel, this is making sure you have a good education. I guess the biggest lesson um, is um, is is not having the right education or not having the right advice. You know, going in and, and buying a property. Um, uh, so one of the biggest mistakes that I made was uh, I went in like a bull in a china shop and bought this really fantastic uh, uh, property um, and everything stacked up and I listened to the real estate agent and I thought, gee, what a nice guy, we we great friends, blah, 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 blah. Well, um, <laughs> when you <laughs> your selling agent is never your friend. <laughs> I bought this property and about three or four days later, I went and had an interview with a tenant. Well, back to front, honey. First, you have the interview with the tenant before you go unconditional. <laughs> and I found, and the, and the tenant was a hell of a nice guy. And he said to me, yeah, but you know, we're moving out of this building in a year's time. And I was like, what? No, you can't be. You've been here for 25 years. You've got all of this machinery. And he said, no, we're amalgamating and we're moving out. You know, and it was like, ouch. Okay, so cardinal rule number one in commercial property is interview your tenant, speak to your tenant, you know, have that that one-on-one -on -one conversation with them, no matter what. We sat with that property for around about six months. And uh, what I did is I rallied up all the agents um, and basically interviewed the agents to find out which ones were the better agents um, and gave them a memorandum of, of um, what we wanted. Um, in terms of type of tenants and what we were pre prepared to do, um, so incentives for the tenants. Um, so we, we we ended up getting a temporary tenant uh, for about uh, four or five months, which kind of saw us through. However, we'd owned that property for uh, just under eighteen months, so we had a good a good profit that we'd made on that property, um, and. The, the vacancy was, and, and we, call, we call it holdover, 
costs. So um, the holding cost of that property was basically sucked up by the profits that we made the year earlier. Um, long story sh- short, I had set my sights on getting a national tenant in there. I wanted a five-year, a five-plus-five-year lease, and this is all about mindset. I had, I had re- repurposed the building, and the funny thing was, I put pictures all over my office of where I've been working, and I decided that's the tenant that I want, and I'm going to go for this. And no matter what, I, I'm just going to put it out there to the universe that I want a national tenant that's with a five-by-five-year lease. And that's exactly what um, what we got. So um, it came through one of the better agents that we'd been working with because um, we, we kind of shortlisted down to three agents. Um, and um, a little bit of negotiation back and forward. And we we put a national tenant in there with our five-by-five-year lease. <laughs> On most property investment journeys, you're also likely to have an aha moment Daniel shares one of hers. Well, a couple of aha moments, um, and I think um, one of the one of the best that I can relate to in Australia is um, helping people out. You know, because people people were seeing what I was doing, and I was talking about, it and I was I was showing them examples, samples, um, case studies of what I had done, and um, they were saying, "Wow, you know, like, can you do that for us?" So um, the aha moment was. There are so many people that are in negative or neutrally geared um, residential properties that they don't know the, the, the splendorous wonder of, of commercial, let alone how to do this in commercial. And I mean, I've met the most amazing people. There was one guy in particular who really was my aha moment. We really clicked and he saw uh, kind of got a glimpse of it and uh, he said, right, I'm going to throw caution to end and I'm going to come on board with you. Uh, show me what you can do. Long story short, uh, it was a property that was on the market for $1.9 million. Um, I negotiated that property. We ended up buying it for about $1.54 um, and um, I said to him, Peter, just leave it to me. Let me sort this property out. And it was really ailing. I think it's, it's, uh, there were 10 tenants of which there were four vacancies. Um, and those, those tenants really were not happy at the time. Long story short, we turned this property around, re-tenanted it, repositioned it, um, you know, cleaned it up. And the aha moment was when he had that property revaluated, it came in at um, just under three million. Coming up after the break, we'll hear about the mentors that influenced Daniel. Look, I think my, my, my biggest mentor was probably my father. The advice that Daniel would tell her younger self. But really go for what you believe in. What Daniel is looking forward to in the future. I think I'm most excited about um, doing more group deals. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey, let's be real. Deals that can yield 20 to 30% per annum do exist. Don't believe me? Well, here's a story about property development I invested in Victoria. This developer had the project fully funded beforehand, but he and his family suffered a loss, a circumstance that led him to be unable to proceed with the development. So, I stepped in and in two weeks, we funded the shortfall, 
allowing for the development to continue. Five months later, the development was refinanced and we received our funds back with interest. Yes, there are amazing opportunities in the property market like this one. So, do you want to get a better return with low risk on your money? Then register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. When investing in property, it's important to find a strategy that works for you. While Daniel lived in South Africa, her strategy was to buy properties at a consistent rate. I started buying properties and my commitment was that I would buy one property every single year. So different kinds of properties um, and I, I, I collected about 29 properties over the years, um, residential, commercial, uh, right across the board. I did a couple of developments, we did uh, um, what um, you would call strata titling over here, so blocks of flats where we would go in, clean them up, turn them out, turn them around and reposition them in the market. Throughout Daniel's property investment journey in both South Africa and Australia, there has been one key strategy that she used. Look, I think the most the most successful strategy right throughout my entire um, real estate career um, across the across the the big blue lake has always <laughs> has always been uplift you know because right from the age of 22 when i started buying property um with my father's words ringing in my ears i always i always changed those properties so i would turn them around or i would i would create um just a, a beautiful space opening them up and creating flow so Probably 90% of the properties that I purchased, um, I would always do uplift um, sort of uh, renovations on them. So I love adding value and that's exactly what I'd be doing. That's that's exactly what I was doing <laughs> on, on those properties is, um, you know, I'd, I'd see the potential, walk into them, see what we could do with those properties, uh, knock a couple of walls out. Um, turn those properties around and just create, you know, a beautiful space. Now, in in commercial, you don't actually have to do as much as what you do in, in residential. So in commercial, we would, we would focus on um, giving it a clean lick of paint, you know, doing floors, doing walls, doing facades, doing outside areas, maybe cleaning up uh, parking, parking lots, pavements, walkways, um, you know, making it, making it sort of desirable for tenants to want to invite their clients to come to because bearing in mind that they are destinations, you know, so you want to you want to create a destination that the tenant is proud of, that they're proud of bringing their clients to. Um, and in in commercial, I always say that um, you know people could live in dumps at home, but they what they what they're portraying in their workplace is professional, clean, and you know uh, a beautiful destination to invite. It's got to be inviting for their clients to come to. No matter what type of commercial property one purchases, it is to be welcoming to clients. Daniel shares that this is an important factor even in a warehouse. It depends what, what type of, of tenant is moving into and what type of warehouse that you have. Uh, but for our warehouse in particular, uh, we repainted the entire warehouse um, you know, on the outside. Um, so we repurposed the, the 
we gave them a blank canvas so they could see it from, you know, uh, they they could do with it whatever they wanted. Um, and when moving on the inside of the space, we had a beautiful mezzanine that, um, in fact, I had just paid for with the previous tenant. And the new tenant that came in said, oh, Mish, we, we need to remove the mezzanine because our machinery is too high. Our machinery is going to... So <laughs> that was a little bit of a compromise, but I thought, hell, you know what? $50,000 worth of mezzanine versus five-year lease. Hello, I'll go for the five-year lease. <laughs> You know, so um, and and all of that is negotiated, as you as you so rightfully said, into the lease um, over a period of time. So um, you know, there's there's a lot of repurposing that you can do. Um, something that we really really love and we've been looking at is um, uh, taking just ordinary tilt slab up ugly warehouses and turning them into beautiful workspaces. Um, so it's sort of uh, a um, industrial office kind of thing where you've got uh, beautiful wood and uh, stainless steel railings and um, just, you know, adding, adding a couple of different types of open, open office with um, beautiful finishes, you know, and turning it into that, that industrial but friendly, warm, cozy sort of uh, environment. Over her business and property journey, she has had a few mentors that have helped to shape her beliefs. Look, I think my, my, my biggest mentor was probably my father um, in terms of structure and design and, and uh, you know, just learning the stuff from a very, very young age of knowing how things work. I mean, I can walk into a building now and I can see what a load-bearing walls. I can look at I-beams and tell you whether it's a 16-inch or 22-inch I-beam and what the weight capacity would be, you know, on that stuff just by virtue, you know. Yes, I don't have certifications for that and I, I'm not an engineer, but um, I could tell you some a lot of very funny stories about that, uh, but I won't bore you with that now. <laughs> um, but I think my, my biggest mentor and, and growing up in a family of five and coming from the background that we did with lots of war, um, there was a lot of sadness and, and um, you know, uh, my my parents were very religious. I didn't necessarily um, uh, believe in their religions, and I kept on thinking there must be a there must be something bigger. There's there's a, there's a bigger something out there, and that's why I talk about the universe, the universal energy. Daniel's second mentor was somebody that she met a little later in life. I ran into Tony Robbins um, in my early twenties. And I mean, it was back in the days when Tony Robbins, the only recordings that you could get of Tony Robbins were on cassette, on tape. Now it's all online. <laughs> yeah, so I, I set myself up for a challenge and um, I decided that I was going to do his, his 31, his 30 day challenge. Um, that was his very, very, very first training. I think I must have been about, well, probably about 20, 22, 23. Um, and I was just starting out in business. I was starting out with, with all of this. Um, and I did that. And I actually ended up doing it three, four, five times because um, it was just so insightful. There was so much. And every time I repeated it, um, I would learn something new. So it, it, was, it was great information. Daniel looked up to one last mentor because of something that they had in common. And one of my biggest mentors was Richard Branson. 
So um, I was I was totally uh, amazed because Richard Branson is dyslexic, and I was dyslexic, uh, and I always thought when when growing up in a school because I couldn't I couldn't uh, write very well or read very well that I was stupid, um, but I was incredibly creative. And when I ran into Richard Branson again, um, when he was starting out in his twenties and thirties, I found out you know, you know his name was was around before Virgin times. Um, and he was dyslexic. I thought, there it is. Okay, I've got something in common with this guy. I'm going to follow him. So the the businesses that that um, I ran, I kind of principled it on a lot of what Richard Branson did with collaboration. So all those all those businesses were kind of set up in collaboration. And I and I really really feel very strongly that success is all about collaboration. You know, the more collaborative. Um, unions or partners or joint ventures that you can have, the more successful you can be. When it comes to learning about and being involved in collaboration, Daniel has another influence. I also follow um, Mind Valley, which is uh, also about collaboration and um, yeah, same sort of thing. So there's beautiful stuff out there. There's just lovely stuff about working together. Reflecting upon her journey, Daniel shares her advice that she would tell her younger self. I would have said to her, start start investing offshore, number one. <laughs> I wish I took my advice earlier. Um, and and never give up. Never give up. Tenacity, you know. Um, uh, uh, really go for what you believe in. Don't ever give up. Yeah. Dream big. Now, looking towards the future, Daniel shares what she's looking forward to. Um, I think I'm most excited about um, doing more group deals. So we're busy looking at um, putting together um, and we, we sort of halfway through um, putting together more group deals that more people um, can get involved in. So, so people that don't have the funds or the resources to buy these uplift properties by themselves or they can't afford it. I mean, these, these are fairly expensive properties and there's quite a lot of holding cost involved and uplift cost as well. Uh, and I'm inviting them to come along and join me um, and learn with me um, and, you know, on this journey of, of, you know, sticking their toe and seeing how it's done. Um, so we really are in 2022 planning on doing more of those and inviting, um, yeah, in, in, inviting whoever wants to get involved to come along and join us to find out more um, and do this with me. You know, the more the merrier. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm super excited about putting that team together and pulling all those people together. So lastly, how much of your success do you think is because of your skill and intelligence and hard work? And how much of it is because of luck? Luck is a result of skill, intelligence and hard hard work in my opinion. So the, the harder you work, the more you you, you get educated, um, the, the more skills you have, the luckier you're going to be, you know. Thank you to Mish Daniel, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. 
If you love the show, perhaps you're now ready to invest your money in a low-risk, high-return deal. If you are, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a lender. There are amazing opportunities in the property market right now and I'm looking for lenders who want to invest their money for as short as 6 months. What are you waiting for? Don't let your money just sit in the bank. To register your interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040.